for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, it's Thursday, the 11th of January, 2024. 2024. This is Open Line. This is TNT. Bish, bash, bosh. We're coming at you live, beaming out of our undisclosed bunker location on the Gold Coast in Australia. But of course, our tendrils are reaching far and wide across the planet here this morning. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, we hope it's nice. Welcome back to Open Line. We had an absolute blast on here yesterday and we aim to repeat that again today. Not one, not two, but three guests. We hope, fingers and toes crossed, plus Gemma Cooper plus general banter plus it's open line you get the chance to call in before the top of the hour ask answer me this seriously how much more could we squeeze into 60 minutes in fact it's 54 minutes now i i i I just don't know how we could do any more than that but it's all for your listening and viewing pleasure natalie the gift that keeps on giving not you by the way rishi sunak (laughs) (laughs) rishi sunak i can't believe this guy and the fact checkers uh we covered a post that he made the other day about this 450 pounds per person alleged tax cut for the people of the UK that was ruthlessly fact-checked. He's only gone and added another part onto that post and got ripped apart for that one too. His post simply read, calculate your savings from our tax cut at the following email address, which was taxcuts.conservatives.com. And listen to the response to this. Fact check, this is merely a form disguised to harvest your email address for spam campaign once the general election is called. The link takes you to a conservative website where you receive your result via email. The HMRC have their own anonymous calculator at .gov.uk. We encourage you to use that instead. Is, There's is no that the community up. note? Is that the That's community note? That's the community Unbelievable. It's harvesting your email for spam at the general election. Don't use it. Go to the HMRC's own anonymous calculator at .gov.uk. Everything this guy says is being torn apart. He's a habitual pathological liar. What do you think? Am I being too hard on our little issue or what? Is the person in charge of this Twitter account like? Are they a troll? Are they are they trying to get community noted at this point? Um, yeah, they wouldn't put it past them because uh, this is just getting ridiculous. You'd think they'd lose their job. If I was that bad at my job, I'd be sacked. You know, if every mm-hmm. single post you put out got community noted, if you were in yeah. another corporate company, but oh no, if you're in politics, that's all right, Rick. Just carry on lying. Nobody well, cares. Y- y- you know, we did advise, you know, we get, we offer a free consultancy service here on Open Line. We like to tell people how they could better run their lives, including the opposition, because, you know, we don't discriminate. So what we advised, number 10, was whoever's doing the community notes, get them on your payroll, get them to preempt whatever the number 10 press secretary is going to put out there and stop the embarrassment and stop the cringe. But it doesn't end there. There's another one I have to slip in here. This is a little sinister, sinister little message that Rishi put out or whoever's controlling his account. As he said, I want to give you, so he's trying to direct it to an individual. So that could be you, Natalie. I want to give you that peace of mind that comes from knowing that we in inverted commas, are building a brighter future for our children. That's what I'm working on. Sounds very cultish, doesn't it? 
It, it does. And, and and I haven't seen any evidence so far since Rishi uh, came into power of him looking after my children at all. In fact, everything he's done is is exactly the opposite. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I've no faith in that. I hope that can get community noted as well, Rick. Let's see if we can get, like set some kind of record. Most mm. community notes on mm. Twitter. It's- it's another candy floss statement. Listen, there's it's big, you know, candy floss or cotton candy, as the Americans call it. You go to the fairground, you go to the circus, you get this cotton candy. It's a stick. And on that stick is this huge cloud and kids see it. And they think, hey, that's massive. I, it would take me forever to eat that. But what they don't realize is it's all stringy air. It's just air and string. There's no substance to it whatsoever. So maybe we should call Rishi Candy Floss from now on because there's a lot of volume in what he says, but there's absolutely <laughs> no substance Rishi's at all. Got- no, much, not much volume anyway. He's a, no, he's a tiny wee thing, isn't he? He's a little runt. So he is, yep. he's, a, he's, a, he's a scrawny little runt. And I have no uh, hesitation in saying that, yes. And I, I don't advocate bullying. I absolutely despise bullies. But if I saw Rishi in the school playground, even I wouldn't extort <laughs> anything off him. I would probably go up and uh, hit him a good old slap just for the hell of it. But yes, we <laughs> don't advocate that. That's just me. That's my problem, you know, from the past, you know, I've moved you know, on. Anger management problems. I'm saying back in the day, primary school years, that's what I would have done. But enough about uh, Fishy Rishi, or should I say Candy Floss Sunak. Uh, we're going to take a brief pause and welcome Gemma to take the stage and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth here on TNT Today's News. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, Candy Floss also has absolutely no nutritional value at all and probably will rot the teeth clean out of your skull. Rishi Sunak, Candy Floss, yes or no? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lovely analogy. Brilliant. And did you nick it from someone or has that come out of your No, it just came literally as we were talking, uh, just off-the-cuff inspiration. I don't know where it came from, but here it is, and we're talking about it right now. Yeah, it's a good one. All substance looks all shiny. Yeah, it's very nice. I could apply that to quite a few people, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. all substance, all style and no substance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh let's let's leave that little 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 person Rishi to the side uh, as per right now we have a very serious story to cover here and it's got a lot of facts and figures that I think will shock many people that haven't been following this story closely so there's a, a hearing that's going to be taking place uh, or that's taking place uh, South Africa have accused Israel of genocide interesting to see how the narratives are all shifting in this one uh, even rotten stinking to the core Piers Morgan has started to backtrack on his position in this one as well but uh, there's a headline here uh, South Africa's genocide case against Israel how will the ICJ decide you got some uh, facts and figures for us in this one Gemma yeah the hearings just got underway this is the the um South Africa have accused Israel of breaking uh, the the 1948 UN Genocide Treaty uh, Convention, Genocide Convention. Both um, South Africa and Israel are party to that treaty. They're signed up members of it. And if you're a member of that 
treaty agreement, you can uh, you can accuse another country of breaking it, which is exactly what South Africa um, has done. It lodged the uh, petition in December, um, and it's now just got underway at the International Court of Justice in The Hague. Started 12 minutes ago, nine o'clock UK time. Um, and yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it pans out. This is the first two days of hearings. This is where the court will decide what it's going to do. Um, there are 15 judges and a judge will be brought in also from South Africa and from Israel to listen. Um, basically, it's South Africa is asking the International Court of Justice to order Israel immediately to stop its bombing campaign uh, and get the military out of Gaza. It's accusing Israel of genocide. Um, the court will decide whether it's got jurisdiction to do that. Um, it may uh, do a provisional ruling within a couple of weeks to decide to implement interim measures and tell Israel to get out. Um, even if it doesn't implement any interim measures, it could still decide if it's got jurisdiction and then proceed with a court order. It, the genocide issue could take years is likely to take years to 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 come to a resolution on um but it is the very strong links between south africa and and uh, palestine <clears throat> that has brought this case to the fore <clears throat> excuse me um nelson mandela when he was released from prison uh, back in the 1980s um and 90 sorry um one of the first people he met up with was the then uh, palestinian leader yasser arafat and and both countries share the same feelings about people are being oppressed in their homeland and they they maintained a very close friendship Yasser Arafat and Nelson Mandela right up until Mandela's death uh, and the ANC which has remained the ruling party in South Africa since Mandela was free the African National Congress um, has shown very strong solidarity with the people of Palestine ever since in fact last night in Ramallah um, Palestinians got round a statue of, of Nelson Mandela with waving South African flags and saying thank you South Africa for bringing this case to the International Courts of Justice it's an interesting one, though, because the ANC itself has often been accused of breaching international um, court orders. Um, it's got very strong ties with, with Russia still, and Putin has come under um, criticism from the International Criminal Court um, for the Ukraine situation. And also, um, it the ANC hosted a visit from a, a Sudanese um, uh, uh, president back in 2015, and he was under investigation by the International Criminal Court. So people are saying, "Well, you ignore you ignore national courts when it suits you," and that you brought this uh, case to the ICJ. Um, but yeah, it's two days of hearings. It's preliminary. There will be uh, obviously news lines that come out of it and where the court decides to take this. Um, but it's it's a precedent. It's a precedent. I don't think this has happened before under the, the you know, breaching the 1948 UN Treaty. Uh, another country accusing another country of genocide and bringing it to the international court. So it will be very interesting to see what happens and, and how it pans out. Natalie, uh, the figures here that are in this uh, particular article, uh, you know, are very sobering indeed. Yeah. So since October the 7th, uh, when Israel declared war on Palestine, specifically going in hard on Gaza, uh, there have been approximately 23,000 people killed. Roughly, our estimated figures are 10,000 of those are children. Uh, obviously, Israel's coming under a lot of flak now, and even Anthony Blinken, I've seen him this week, and David Cameron as well. You can see a change in their rhetoric that their uh, Israel claims that it has the right to defend itself, which it does, by the way but that applies to every country on earth. So it doesn't matter what country is being attacked. It doesn't matter who it is. Every country has a right to 
defend itself from hostile, aggressive attacks from other people. However, you can't, I don't see how anybody can justify uh, the killing of tens of thousands of children, innocent no. people and leveling in terror areas. So I think the pressure is starting to build against them here as this, uh, the horrors are, are, are being unfolding. Well, absolutely, because they don't seem to be making any headway into actually finding the people that they want. And I watched a, a film uh, recently, a Samuel L. Jackson one, The uh, Negotiator, and it was about a hostage situation. So if you look at this analogy, in a hostage situation, and this is in, in the US or, or, or here, you're not allowed to go in and say, well, I need to get the captor, so I'm just going to shoot all the hostages in order to get to them. And that kind of seems like that is what they're doing. Like, it doesn't matter who stands in the way, we'll kill anyone. They could be innocent they could be children they could be women we'll just shoot anyone in order to get to the terrorists but as far as i'm concerned if you're not allowed to do that in a hostage situation and you're not allowed to do it as in the 1948 un geneva convention you know it it, it it shouldn't be happening i mean i'm on the side of innocent people men women children and these people shouldn't be being killed should they Gemma? Mm. Well, of course not. And that is the scale of it, which has brought South Africa to, yes. to bring this to the table. Um, a, a, you know, genocide is is a word not used lightly, but it, it that's what it considers Israel to have done uh, and, and is still doing. <clears throat> it's an interesting one to see how the court will look at this because um, it has happened before when um, Ukraine went to the International Courts of Justice in uh, Mar in March 2022. Uh, and uh, they, they said they wanted Russia to suspend military operations in Kiev, Kiev, or however you want to pronounce it. Um, and uh, the International Court ruled yes and ordered Russia to stop. Um, now, this one is a difficult situation because in that sense, uh, both parties were involved in the conflict and it was kind of a fair argument. In this one, it, the, the, there are some experts saying that the ICJ might be reluctant to say to Israel, you have to stop your military campaign because it's not asking Hamas to do the same. Hamas have got nothing to do with bringing this to the ICJ. It's South Africa that are doing it. So it, it, it's more fraught with legal complications. But while that's going on, of course, people are being slaughtered. Now, you, you know, which whichever side of the table you sit on this, it is a very polarizing issue, especially within the alternative community, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. But you're quite right, Natalie, it's the scale of, of the innocents being slaughtered and, and the amount of people just being butchered. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to look at those headlines or those images. It is affecting the collective consciousness. So this first two days of hearings we're only 18 minutes in so far so you know we haven't heard anything yet but it, what what comes out of it will be really interesting because it will set a precedent for future conflicts uh, that may happen uh no doubt uh, this is just getting going here and i think tomorrow morning i'm going to be talking about uh further developments in this as they happen uh with basil valentine on uh, locked and loaded as well so this is something that no doubt has put spotlight on uh, gaza uh, and a lot of people are becoming very aware of what the movements are there now and again uh thank you for highlighting this because it just shows you the scale of what's going on it also goes on to say just as we wrap this up that uh roughly uh where's the figures here yeah the international courts that talking about the amount of people that have been displaced so more than 85 percent of Gaza's 2.3 million people have been displaced since October the 7th, with aid agencies also warning of a famine risk amid mounting hungry. Uh, the 141 square miles enclave has been under Israeli blockade since 20, 2007. So think about that, 85 percent of 2.3 million people have been displaced on top of the 23,000 people 
including 10,000 children that have been killed with a famine looming on the horizon. So it's a horror situation over there. And uh, let's hope um, let's hope there's a, a sensible resolution to this before any more people get died or displaced or, uh, you know, perish with starvation. So thank you very much for that story uh, this morning, Gemma. We've got to take a little break. And when we come back, fingers crossed, we're going to be welcomed by our first guest, Rupert Lowe. But uh, stay tuned for more here on TNT, today's news talk. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Okay, this is TNT. This is the Open Line Show, and Natalie and I are very happy to be joined right now for the first time by Rupert Lowe. Rupert is one of the last few MEPs for the West Midlands. He's an ex-Southampton FC chairman. And by the way, we'll have uh, Matt Letizia coming on just after you. You'll be very glad to know there's a little bit of Southampton FC uh, theme going on here this morning. Businessman and also Reform UK business and agriculture spokesman. So, Rupert, welcome to uh, TNT. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Rick. 
Good. Glad to hear it. Listen, there's a whole lot of uh, talk the last week or two uh, going on about the post office scandal that's been uh, unveiled. Although it's nothing new, this has been going on for quite a long time and there's a lot of people been campaigning for it, but it seems to be breaking out uh, into the public consciousness more this week. Rupert, uh, Rishi Sunak has put a message up yesterday. Called, it's addressed to the victims to the victims of the Horizon scandal, I'm noting his use of words here, use of word of victim, and, and talking about Horizon rather than the post office. He said the Horizon scandal is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. People who worked hard to serve their communities had their lives and reputations destroyed through no fault of their own. Today, I can announce we will introduce new primary legislation to use to make sure those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are swiftly exonerated, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't mention the post office at all. He seems to be banging on about Horizon, Horizon, Horizon. Why isn't he mentioning the post office? That's a very good question, Rick. I, I, I don't know if you saw my article I wrote just under a year ago uh, in support of Andrew Bridgen, mm -hmm. who is, as you know, a Tory MP who's been deselected by the party. Mm -hmm. um, he has been campaigning for two of his constituents in northwest Leicestershire on this subject for uh, a decade and more. And it's not a new subject. Uh, mm -hmm. I find it almost farcical that we now have this knee-jerk reaction uh, in mm -hmm. Parliament. I mean, most of these people have known about this scandal. Uh, I, I mean, when I wrote my article for uh, Paula Venables to be described as guilty of institutional obst obstinacy and being cruel and incompetent, uh, that's hardly new. Uh, what they did after that was go on and give her a CBE which actually I think shows you the depth of, 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 of sort of flaws in our, firstly, our honour system, but in our entire uh, sort of system of government. So to for Rishi Sunak now to obviously uh, uh, override our courts, which would be almost unprecedented, uh, and make a mockery of the judges and indeed the far school lawyers that have been dancing around making fortunes out of, out of this post office issue, uh, you know, that would be a huge embarrassment for them. Obviously, we're going to end up, I think, with some guilty people being let off. But for me, the absolute scandal here is to see uh, good members of the British community, particularly the communities outside London, who I think is no longer arguably a proper community. I think, you know, you've actually got Middle England has been almost rooted out by this. And for me, the key question now is, is obviously some innocent people will be and should be uh, cleared. Their names should be cleared. Compensation should be paid. Go think about those people who weren't actually convicted, but still uh, sold all their pensions and life savings to pay the post office back, some of which went in bonuses to the people who were actually uh, 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 prosecuting them, which again is a disgrace. But the question I think now, the key question that people need to ask is when did Paula Vennels and when did Fujitsu know that the system, the horizon system that Rishi Sunak uh, appears to have got the record stuck on, when did they actually know that they were prosecuting people unfairly? Because in my opinion, and it shouldn't be difficult to find it, you know, I've, I've fought libel trials, I've had my phones hacked, I know all about discovery. If the lawyers really want to, they can find out these facts. There is a trail. I know Andrew Bridgen was trying to uncover this and he came up against the kind of obstinacy that, that Paula Venables was actually accused of. Now, if 
if it can be proved that they knew that, that these were wrongful prosecutions, with the delegated authority that this Quango, which the post office effectively is, had from government, then I think those people should be in the dock and they should be sent to prison. Uh, not just lose their honour, they should be sent to prison. They should lose their bonuses, their salaries. They should be forced to actually repay everything they've taken from the post office. Um, and they should be tried because it's absolutely criminal, Rick, with a delegated legal authority to effectively prosecute people, to use that when you know you're bringing a wrongful conviction against somebody. I think that's a, crim that's, that's a huge criminal offence. It is. Uh, just uh, uh, one thing I would ask you is, uh, you mentioned that Andrew Bridgen has been campaigning for at least two of his constituents for at least 10 years now. So as you rightly pointed out, this is not new to the people that have been suffering from this. This has been going on for over a decade in some cases. It's now reaching more people in the public consciousness. Now we have Sunak issuing a statement banging on about Horizon and about how this must never happen again. And it's a gross uh, miscarriage of justice, the like of which we've never seen again. With all that said, Rupert, uh, but just in closing, what are the like? What is the likelihood that these people will actually be paid back or fully compensated? And what kind of a time scale are we looking well, at? I think it does. It does beg, ten years. It does beg the question, Rick, and you quite rightly raised this: of what other scandals are festering out there? Well, we know about infected blood. That's a scandal, which is is a total scandal as well. Uh, I mean, good innocent people have been injected with HIV uh, by the National Health Service. They've been seeking compensation for years. Uh, and as Andrew Bridgen, he's already sort of acted as the uh, canary in the coal mine on the post office. He's also, as you know, very strong on COVID. So I think, I think COVID myself is a national scandal. I think to coerce people into having a, a, a highly uh, a experimental gene therapy, which effectively the mRNA or the you know spike protein vaccines are, uh, and forcing people, which they ultimately did, to take these things. We're now seeing huge excess death rates. And Andrew, Andrew is warning about this, and that's largely why the state is effectively disowning him. So look, this, this begs the question, what else is out there? And the problem we've got, Rick, is that the state's got too big. We all know that when you get uh, central planning and you get top-down government, it doesn't make good decisions. So this is a quango. This is, this is a warning to government now. They should be breaking up all the quangos. They should be removing their powers, getting rid of the people who are costing the taxpayer a fortune. They should be streamlining government and they should be basically returning power to the people of the country. It's our country. It's not the state's country. The state is effectively governing in the name of the British people. And I'm just waiting for these 21 or 2 million honest, decent people who struggle into work every day. When are they going to erupt like a volcano? Because they're being taken advantage of. And I can only conclude that ultimately they're being taxed into oblivion. They're working their asses off. And at the end of the day, you know, I think they're too busy to even have the intellectual sort of appetite to get home and start reading about this stuff in depth. So what's happening is the lawyers are pork barreling loads of money out of the system. The state's making bad decisions. And the net result is that the British people are effectively suffering a huge fall in their standard of living.
That's about uh, as concise a summary as you could give of the current state of play uh, in the UK at the moment right now. Uh, Rupert, I wish I had a little bit longer or we had a little bit longer to talk with you this morning, but we've got a cut uh, to a news break. So I just want to say a massive thanks to you for taking time out of your day to talk to us this morning. And hopefully uh, we'll have you on again sooner rather than later as these uh, things continue to unravel to get your unique take on them. So that's Mr. Rupert Lowe. Thank you very much. Natalie and I shall be back after the news. I will indeed. I will indeed. Uh, he's going to be joining us just after the news here on TNT, today's news talk. Here's a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. There was high drama in Washington on Wednesday as the president's son, Hunter Biden, taunted congressional leaders by crashing his own contempt of Congress hearing. NATO member Finland is reportedly planning to extend its border closure with Russia for at least another month. And it's been revealed the war in Ukraine has led to a tenfold increase in the price of weapons and ammunition. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Welcome back. Uh, don't forget you can call at the end of the show. And I just wanted to add, uh, listening to the last caller, we were talking about Andrew Bridgen, and I just wanted to remember people that he did actually vote for lockdowns and for uh, care workers to be vaccinated. So just to get the other point of view there, because we do like to highlight all the truth here at today's New Talk. To, we've got as well uh, Matt Letizier. Now, I'm a massive football fan he's my childhood hero so very excited to have you on the show Southampton and England football legend uh, you can follow him at Matt Letiz7 uh, how are you doing today Matt? I'm good thanks Nat and you? Yeah I'm great thanks uh, you've uh, faced a lot of abuse and trolling yourself on social media over the last few years uh, due to standing up against the government narrative and wokeism and of course Joey Barton's now come back to the Twitter sphere he's causing <laughs> a storm uh, he's got a right to voice his opinion hasn't he like everybody else? Of course he has. Um, I mean, uh, when the, the government minister said that they were going to start looking into it because it was dangerous, I just, it absolutely tickled me, honestly. These people are deluded. Um, I mean, we're living in a world now where you, you're not allowed to have an opinion on anything unless it's unless it's sanctioned by the government. And uh, I thought that was the case only in places like North Korea and China. But here we are in the UK. Yeah, we are. And uh, Joey Barton, of course, started by saying, you know, women should stick to women's football. Men should stick to men's football. You know, you're a very, very successful uh, professional footballer. Do you hold the same view? Uh, I certainly think in terms of the um, in terms of the punditry and the co-commentary where you're looking to give insights uh, onto that field of play. Um, if you haven't been in that situation, um, you know, and let's not kid ourselves. Uh, men's football and women's football are two very different matches, played at a very different speed, very different tempo. Um, I think the uh, the fact that, certainly from my own personal perspective, when I'm watching a game of 
men's professional football. I want to hear from people who have been on a men's professional football pitch. If I'm watching a game of women's football, which I don't very often because I don't find it that entertaining, quite frankly. Um, but if I am, I'd want to listen to somebody who'd been on that. I wouldn't want to listen to a bloke talking about women's football because he wouldn't have the experience of playing on that field of play in that tempo of game. So um, I don't think it's a particularly controversial opinion yet. Here we are. It goes against the government narrative and against wokeism uh, and against DEI and all that nonsense. And so, uh, so yeah, you, you get castigated for saying that, you know, stick to commentating on your own sport. And I would have to uh, agree with Joey, by the way. Um, I used to be a season ticket holder at um, Elm Park, uh, but Reading fan. Uh, and, uh, I scored yeah, there I've been... once upon a time. <laughs> Did you? Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've been a spectator. I've never played the game, but I don't enjoy myself listening to the women uh, pundits. Not on the men's game. I watched all the uh, England uh, Women's World Cup. It's a completely different game. Uh, less contact. They don't run around, uh, fall over uh, when they're tackled <laughs> as much. And the, certainly the goalkeeping's not uh, uh, standard, isn't it, as good. But I, I absolutely agree, and it's not misogynistic to say it's okay if women want to commentate on women's football and men on, on men's. It's insensible. And I know, Rick, you're not a big football fan, but even you got involved with the Joey Barton uh, on <laughs> X, and, didn't you? I did. Matt, it must be encouraging for you because I know, uh, having seen you on, on social media over the last few years, you've kind of been a voice of the wilderness. You've been a John the Baptist type character uh, in the football <laughs> scene, the voice of one crown in the wilderness and getting a lot of flack as a result of it. Now, Joey uh, has weighed in on this one too very vocally over the last few days. It must give you a little bit of encouragement that at least one of your uh, ex uh fellow professional footballers has actually found a voice and is not afraid uh, to call a spade a spade rather than a big spoon. Do you think there could be more people coming forward uh, or or do you think it's just going to be the two of you fighting the good fight? Um, well, there's certainly more than two of us. Um, you know, I think there's there's other people probably not such high profile names, but other yeah, that's what I meant. footballers who are, yeah, who, yeah. who are uh, quite vocal about things. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have somebody with Joey's reach. Um mm -hmm you know saying things like that but that's not to say that i agree with everything that joey says do you know um yeah. on on this particular point i happen to agree with him um i'm sure there's probably lots of other things i've never i've never um uh, kind of been socialized with, with joey so i don't really know his his views on everything um but yeah on this particular point i, I happen to agree with him and, and because of that <laughs> obviously you you come in for a load more stick again but honestly after the last four years if people haven't realized by now that throwing hurty words around on social media is going to have an effect on me i'm afraid they're completely deluded um i've made a stronger stuff than that yeah I absolutely agree. And I, I would also say, Matt, I wanted to get your opinion on this. I think wokeism is infecting uh, football across the board. You know, you see the pundits afterwards and, you know, they're frightened, almost censored, like they don't want to criticise the referee. They don't want to criticise VAR, you know, and you, managers afterwards. You know, I remember the likes of Alex Ferguson or Neil Warnock and you used to like, really look forward to coming <laughs> and giving their interviews. And now it's also PC. You know, it it, it has wokeism, uh, you know, ruined football. Are they ruining the beautiful game, Matt? Um, I, I certainly think that the whole um, diversity, uh, equity and inclusion thing is um, is making, certainly the, the football punditry, I think, um, I think it, it's making it less watchable. Um, I, I think in any particular um, part of life, I think, 
employing the best person for the job is the way to go mm. um, and not box ticking and having a, a certain percentage. I mean, what really gets me is that they're, they're only interested in uh, having a, a certain amount of a certain percentage of people. Um, but that percentage of people that they're interested in having is is nowhere near reflects the community that we live in. Um, because if you look at the amount of, uh, say, for instance, say for instance, uh, black people, if you look at the amount of black people that, that live in this country, it, I mean, I think a lot of people would be surprised at what percentage it actually is. It's below 10%. Uh, and yet, if you look at every advert on the television and, and every television program that's being made, there's more than 10% of people on those adverts that are, um, uh, are of that persuasion. And I find it I find it really odd that they that they want all this diversity. I actually agree that TV should be a uh, reflective representation a representation of our society, but it's not. Um, they're they're completely gone the other way. And when you get to a point where one section of people are being marginalised, you can call it whatever you want. You can throw positive in front of the word discrimination, but it makes no difference to what it actually is. It is still discrimination, and I prefer to live in a world where the best person got a job, and you don't get a job just because of your sexuality, uh, your gender, um, or your or your religion. Um, so it's it seems a bit weird to me. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think positive discrimination is still discrimination. The uh, best person is not getting the job. It's you're making a judgment on their color or their gender when really that's well, not what we should be doing. No, they're basically what they do by putting positive in front of discrimination is they're alleviating their consciences because they know damn well they're discriminating against people. And they think by putting the word positive in front of it, they're being virtuous and good. And uh, <laughs> they're not. They're just as bad as the as the people before them. The good old virtue signalers. Oh, we run out of time, Matt. I could easily carry on talking, but I'd also like to say Soccer Saturday is not the same without you, Jeff Spelling, <laughs> and Paul Merson and the like. So, uh, yeah, those Thank were the good old much. days. And, uh, yeah, we've got to go uh, for a break now, and we've got another guest to come here at TNT, today's News Talk. As a combat-wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. JDRS's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. The Type 1 Diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the Type 1 Diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the Type 1 Diabetes community, we're energised by the Type 1 community, and we're accountable to the Type 1 Diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist, and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. 
JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. To everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, no matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, uh, how time flies when you're having fun and we're having a blast here this morning on Open Line. We're very happy to be joined, at least for the first time on this show anyway, by Bernie de Haldevang. I hope I've got that pronunciation right. He is a financier and a direct democracy campaigner. He's a libertarian. He describes himself as being politically homeless. And also, interestingly, he slides a little word in there that I'm seeing more and more of now. He's a meritocrat. So he believes that people should get jobs and appointments based on their actually the ability to do those jobs rather than diversity hires. Bernie, welcome to Open Line. How are you doing this morning? Thank you very much. I'm doing very well. It's very good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Well, listen, uh, we last spoke, actually, the three of us, Natalie, you and I, last spoke together in the flesh at uh, the Better Way conference last year That's in right. Bath that TNT had sponsored. And, of course, you phoned in a few times to Open Line as well. So I was trying to put, uh, well, I was going to say trying to put the name to the face, but it's all falling together now. Uh, we're going to talk uh, in the short time that we have here about, you know, the outlook, the outlook for 2024. 2024 is going to be a huge year right across the globe for very, very many countries. There's a lot of people. Uh, having elections this year, South Africa, probably Ireland, the UK will most likely have a general election this year and love politics or hate politics, agree with voting or disagree with voting, people are going to be going to the polls. It is going to happen whether we actually like it or not. What do you see happening here? Is it going to be a Starmer government coming in in 2024? I I would like to see, if anything, independence being elected, genuine, uh, uncompromised independence being elected. What do you think is going to happen in 2024, in your humble opinion? Yeah, it's the, it's the $64,000 question. I, I mean, I think that uh, the likelihood of it not being a Starmer government is low. And I, sus I suspect it's simply down to the usual yin and yang that you get in, in first-past-the-post politics, where people are fed up with the existing party and think they can make a difference by going for the other party. Now, as we know, and you've observed in your shows, and TNT has for quite a long time, and pretty much all shows, and it's the same around the rest of the Western democracies. There's no difference. We've all got a uni party. There is no difference between the two. Um, and people are, uh, A, are fed up of the party system, uh, I don't think they can see there's an alternative. I think they're concerned. And apathy in, in voting, particularly in the young, is incredibly high. Um, they think there's no difference. It makes no difference whether they vote or not. And so many of them are disinclined to, to even bother. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge. But the unfortunate thing is that shifting over to, to a Starmer government is not going to help. It's not going to make any difference. It's not going to make any positive change. 
Natalie, we have been talking, you know, on and off now for two years on together on TNT Radio. Uh, we're no great fans of the current government. We certainly won't be any great fans of any government that's likely to come in in the shape and form of Labour. Uh, in the live chat this morning, we, uh, Bernie, our first guest on this morning, we had Rupert Lowe on, uh, and he was mentioning uh, constituents of his that Andrew Bridgen had been campaigning for. As soon as that guy's name's mentioned, uh, heckles go up, people go insane. I get accused, oh, last year you said he was this, this year you said he was that. Listen, I was highlighting the fact that he was fighting the corner for two of his constituents on the post office scandal issue. I wasn't advocating uh, you vote for him or you don't vote for him. You have to make your own mind up about that one. Why are people so polarized by politicians at the minute? Surely if you don't like them, you just don't vote for them or you just ignore them completely. Why are people obsessing? And I'm not just saying this about one person. This goes right across the board for independent candidates, you know, the Heritage Party, the Reform Party, the Reclaim Party, you know, the, the, the Lib Dems, if they're even still a party. What is it with people get so wound up about politics, but yet at the same time, they don't believe in it at all yeah i heard your interview with rupert I, i've heard him on other stations before and I, th I think that the part of the problem is that we we do ourselves a disservice um as a as an electorate by playing to the fiddle to the tune of the of the globalists who are trying very hard to make sure that we fight amongst one another because they don't want a united opposition and i think it's people are so spooked now about what people say what politicians say and what they hear but they just don't know whether to believe these people are genuine or, genuine or not. And as we just observed just before we came on air, um, I think that uh, you have to, I think, live with the, the fact that uh, uh, whether you have faith or not, but God works in mysterious ways. And there are people who perhaps, and I'm not saying Andrew is that, I don't believe he's at all, but there are people who are perhaps less ingenuous than we'd like them to be. But they are doing something useful. And I have to think that that isn't the case for, for Andrew. I think he's completely ingenuous. Um, and, and I think he's, he is uh, very keen to, to back the, the concept that we, we, we're going to be talking about, direct democracy. Um, but I do think there is a, I have a concern that we get disrupted as the free thinkers in, in the voting population, as those who still have and are willing and daring enough to, to exercise critical thought that we're being ripped apart because differences are being highlighted, mud is being slung to make sure that those candidates who could do us some good on our side are seen as, uh, as uh, degenerate or seen as um, not working in our interests. Talk to, us, talk to us about this concept of direct democracy, okay? Uh, so uh, you're talking out there about direct democracy. You know, in, in simple layman's terms, for people that aren't uh, familiar with uh, your, your views on this or what this concept is, give it to us straight. What, what are you on about when you're talking about direct democracy? So the easiest way to describe it, um, uh, rather than go through its history, I mean, it goes back to Greek days when everything was decided by, by plebiscite. This is a, a hybrid version of a, a plebiscite-driven, a, a referendum-driven um, legal voting system. Um, and it isn't just that. In other words, you would have MPs who are elected who, who would stand as whatever party they want to stand for. Uh, you no longer have the power with the parties, with the party whips. Your local MP is elected by the local people to represent local interests. And legislation is put forward by the legislature. I mean, I think we can talk about UK reform uh, at length, but ideally you would have a unicameral system, not not uh, our du dual cameral system, which doesn't work, um, and it's too expensive, and you don't need that many MPs either, uh, even if you go to unicameral system. So you have a 
uh, you have legislation that's proposed by by the members of parliament who then have to put it to the public and they put a draft up to the public, which the public can see. And the proposal is that if a certain percentage of people decide that this needs to go to a referendum, they they put up a, a they put up a they respond to a a poll um, as we currently do and say this needs to go to a vote by the country, and so that what that does is it it, it changes the master of 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 MPs back from the whips and the parties to the individuals in who are voting them in in each in each area. But that's the that's the nub of it. Mm. Now, what do you make it's, of all this? You know, sorry, no, I was going to say it's based on a Swiss, the Swiss style system, which I mean, it's been going 176 years, I guess. Um, so it's and, long, and, it's long established. You know, it's proven yes. uh, to be because uh, if it wasn't, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't still be in force after 176 years. Not right. can we see? Can we expect to see some kind of shift away from traditional politics? You know, that's what everybody wants. I know a lot of people would like to see politicians done away with altogether. But again, listen, we have to be realistic about this. Uh, people are not going to stay away from the polling stations. The parties will not be dissolved overnight. There will be a general election in 2024, whether we like it or not. Yes. So what could what would you like to see? You know, you've talked about this with me before so many times. But, you know, in an ideal world, in a utopian world, what would you like to see? I would agree with Bernie that our current system doesn't work at all. I think too many people, as he's already said, just vote for the opposite party. So if you don't want the Tories, they think, oh, I'll vote in Labour instead, uh, when they don't actually uh, agree with anything Labour are standing for either. Uh, I don't think many people are confident in voting for independence, which is something that I would consider doing if a, a good um, independent was in my area. Uh, unfortunately, I've had no independents here that, that, that were any good. I mean, personally, you know, to add to what we said, I wouldn't vote for Andrew Bridgen, um, even if he is an independent. Um, I don't believe he's addressed many concerns. I know Myra from Informed Consent um, asked him many questions. He said it wasn't worth his time to address them. Uh, those are concerning for me. Uh, but I would uh, go on to say, uh, I, I mean, I chose not to vote. I think that that, that could be a way forward, mass non-compliance. If you don't have in, any independence, I would say to people, you know, is it, you know, is it even worth voting spoil your ballot maybe because it certainly isn't worth voting for a party that you don't agree with anything that they say rick uh, mm. i don't know uh, if ed bernie's got anything to add to that i think well, he makes a bigger point so i think the i think the uh the, you're right about independence the re-election of independence is very difficult and and the way that the, the i want to come back to a couple of other points you made uh, the way that uh, uh the main parties will discredit independence is to say well, they're never going to get anything through. They don't stand for anything. They don't have a potential to make a difference. Um, whilst that on the face of it is true, the, the reality is that even if you vote for those parties, that you're not, your vote's not going to make a difference there either because they have their own agenda, which is driven by the people who fund the parties, not by the MPs you elect, which is why you get people who are slavishly, and my MP is one of them here, here locally, slavishly vote with the government on every single issue because they are career politicians. They're not interested in representing the people. And the only way to break that is to make people answerable to the, the, the people that elect them. And you're right that this is not something that can be done overnight. The, the founder of the movement, movement in the UK is a chap called Neil Petrie. He's, he's written a book on it called One More Vote, worth having a read. It's very well written. Um, the view there, the view here is, and I'm not part of this, I'm just helping it because I, I happen to know Andrew and, and managed to get him to, to meet us, but I'm very supportive of it. Um, the view here is that the more people that we 
the more MPs that we can get who support direct direct democracy yes. and and commit to doing what their voters ask them to do and can be can be called out if they don't. Yes, it's another election and it's later. Um, the, the, and the more interested people become in voting, if you see the Swiss, they're very proud of their ability to vote for everything they put through. And they, they own what they have voted for and own what has gone through, even if they don't agree, if they're not part of the majority that went through, they have ownership and they feel that their say makes a difference. And I think that's crucial. I think your point on Andrew, I, I, I'm not vouching for him either way, but I would say, and when I met him yesterday with Neil in, in, in Westminster in, in uh, Paul Cullis' house, he, he was looking drawn. He's he's tired. He's won against 649 MPs. He's the only one who's speaking out. He's ostracized by the Uni Party, who don't want these things being raised because they they're, they're finding it they're finding it challenging, and they're seeing that more and more people are listening. So I would forgive him the fact that he's probably focusing on a few important things in his life. One of which is to get re-elected which I think he has a very good chance of doing, frankly, with or without direct democracy. But I think it makes it more tenable for him longer term if he does get that route. Bernie, just as we draw this to a close, you know what I'm taking encouragement from here this morning, right? A lot of the times, uh, certain stations or certain establishments, mainstream establishments and alternative establishments can be called echo chambers, okay? Echo yes. chambers. You only get people on that agree with you. You can't have any differing points of view. Everybody's patting each other's back. And just as a case in point, this business about Andrew Bridget, as I say, a very polarizing character. Some people think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Other people are very skeptical of him. And and here we are, we're talking politics in general. You're putting a point across, Natalie and I are putting a different point across in some areas, but yet we're not falling out about it. We're not disagreeing about it because there's a bigger picture here and we'll have to realize that if we're fighting and splintered and fragmented on every issue and every person, and I can't talk to you because you support this person and she yeah. likes that person, so I can't talk to her, that's exactly playing into the globalist hands as well. And that's my point originally was, listen, if you don't like someone, then say it. If you don't like someone, don't vote for them. If you don't like someone, then don't follow them. But you can't ostracize everybody else that might have a differing opinion from you, or you can if you want to, but you're not really going to get very far. So it's nice to hear your views on that. And of course, it's nice to hear Nat's views on this as well. And at the end of the conversation, you know, we're still friends, you and I, and, Nat, yeah. uh, and we're not going to fall out about it. And I think I mean, that's the key, is it not? It's, it should be, we should be encouraged, uh, uh, you know, educated, healthy debate on subjects. Yes. And that's what's not happening, Bernie. Yeah. And I, I'd add one more thing. I mean, the, the, uh, the what is the alternative? If you're not, I mean, I think and to your point about not voting, I think not voting is 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 a dangerous thing to do, because uh, all it does is reduce the amount who vote, but it doesn't change the fact that a majority could vote, and it doesn't make not reading votes if that's what's happening um, any less difficult. So I think we should vote, even if it, even if it is to spoil our paper. Uh, some yes. some wag said what he was going to vote and, and cross out all the boxes and put another one in put wef next to it and put a cross against it just to make the point but i mean i think you know voting exercising that right is important the other thing i'd say it's not just switzerland um taiwan also has a similar system when they came out of um a, a dictatorial military rule uh, they put that system in place as as has estonia so there are three countries in the world that work on on the basis of direct democracy there is a precedent to be said, and uh, whether or not it comes in more slowly, I think is less of an issue. I think it will be it will be it will provide an infrastructure for the independent MPs who go with direct democracy, which is what's normally lacking with the independents when they've 
because they they go independent halfway through a term, they see out the term, and they're not they're not re-elected. If we can provide direct democracy, can provide support for MPs who choose to go with direct democracy, um, then there, with that come boots on the ground to help in the election campaign, uh, help knocking on doors and persuading, you know, telling people what what direct democracy is. And the the cost of running a country under direct democracy is a fraction of what we're spending. Um, the uh, the Swiss Parliament sits for twelve weeks in the year, and they've all got full time jobs, and they they run a country. Now, you know, it's a smaller country than ours, but proportionately, you could you could have the same equation. Uh, uh, you know what, Bernie? Uh, this has been a, a great conversation, and it's been lovely uh, to hear. You have a lovely voice. You have a lovely uh, way about you, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And want to just encourage you, uh, someone in the live chat, just a bloke who asked questions, is agreeing with what you said there. Hundred percent agree. Not voting, uh, he says, is apathy. Spoiling your ballot paper, at the least is a protest so we've got a lot of thoughts and opinions running around in the live chat other people said i read said unity is our strength and it's absolutely true uh, you said god works in mysterious ways he also says uh, where there's a uh, unity god commands a blessing and a house divided against itself cannot stand and the fall of it will surely be great so just a little bit of uh, biblical wisdom to wrap us up here this morning bernie we've got a call time in this one massive thanks to you uh, for joining us this morning and we're just about up to time here uh, on TNT as well. Natalie, it's been an absolute blast. And yeah, stay tuned and keep your opinions and thoughts coming. You know, whether you agree with us or not or disagree with us or not, listen, the secret is that uh, we need to be able to express ourselves freely and you don't have to agree or disagree with everybody. And if you isolated everyone that you don't agree with, trust me, you'd have nobody left to talk to, uh, which I've found many times in my life. Uh, so I'm learning from better experience. So please stay tuned for Locked and Loaded. I'll be back after the break with uh, three guests, Dr. Tech Kong, Lois Perry, and also Fabio Vici and Gemma Cooper. So please stay tuned to TNT. We'll be right back uh, on TNT live before we're